Amen. Wonderful, wonderful things. Thankful for the power of the cross and uh, thankful for God's working. This morning, I'm really excited as Freddie gets ready to come and read to us from Nehemiah chapter 8. I am just encouraged in the Word of God and encouraged by what the Word says and what it teaches. In Nehemiah chapter 8 that we're going to look at in the message in just a few minutes, it's really the response of God's people to God's Word. And it's God's people coming back to God's Word. I'm so thankful for the Word of God and thankful that God has given us the Bible so that we can have His words to us so that we can know how to live and what He wants us to do. Freddie, why don't you come read to us. Nehemiah chapter 8. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday, before the men and the women and those that could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah and Shema and Ananiah and Urijah and Hilkiah and Maseiah on his right hand. And on his left hand, Padiah and Mishael and Malchiah and Hashem and Hashbadana, Zechariah and Meshulam. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it up, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their, hand, their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also Jeshua and Bani and Sherebiah, Jamin, Achab, Shabbatai, Chodajiah, Maseiah, Keletah, Asariah, Josabad, Hannah, Peliah, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So they read in the book in the law of God distinctly, and gave the sense, and caused them to understand the reading. Thank you for your flexibility as we continue to shift and slide some things around. We want to make room for everybody to be able to come and to hear from the Lord. <clears throat> you know, we have it a lot easier, though, than some of those people in the New Testament. Do you remember the crippled man that his four friends were trying to get him to Jesus? And the Bible says they had to tear a hole in the roof just to get him there. Well, we haven't had to do that yet, okay? So we can slide some kids around and put some donuts outside and do all those things. And uh, so far, so good. We still have our roof mostly intact, and we're thankful for that. And, uh, but thank you for your flexibility as we move some things around. I'm really thankful for our church and thankful for people that are ministering to one another. Um, I was encouraged by several who called me this week. How's Katie doing? What's Katie, you know, how's she doing? They're praying for you, Katie, and I'm so thankful that you're able to be here this morning. And uh, she's going through her chemo treatments. I know she doesn't feel well this morning, but uh, I hope that you're praying with me for Katie Spencer, that God would continue to strengthen her and bless her and encourage her and her family here as well this morning. So thankful for that. And uh, I'm looking forward to, and I hope you are as well, to our services next week. Uh, starting Sunday morning, we'll have a special uh, service. Pastor Clayton will be preaching for us. And then right after that, we'll have a lunch here for everybody. We want you to come and uh, hope that you'll enjoy a wonderful lunch with us. We'll have an afternoon service right after that. And then Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, if you can be here, our services will be at 7 o'clock. And uh, each of those services is going to be a blessing. I would ask you, um, if you can, to be back tonight. I'm going to be sharing some things about what uh, revival meetings are about and why we do them and uh, what the Bible has to say about living in a place of spiritual revival. And I think that's an important place, not something that we should just look forward to once a year or every once in a while, but really the place we should be living in all the time as believers. And I uh, hope that you'll be here tonight to encourage you about that. 
We are going to be going forward here in a few weeks, going to be adjusting some things in our Sunday night. We did some classes this summer. We're going to be going back to that, also allowing for some who are going to be doing some one-on-one Bible study and things like that. I'll be telling you more about that as that comes here in the next few weeks. But uh, let's take our Bibles this morning, turn back to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, and if you're paying attention in the series, you may say, what about chapter 7? Well, chapter 7 is a list of all the people that uh, came back with them, or the people that were now living in Jerusalem. There are several interesting people mentioned in that chapter, but uh, I want to keep on with our theme of where we're going as far as the Lord doing His work of rebuilding a people, and uh, not just the wall being rebuilt, but also the spiritual rebuilding. There are some wonderful things, just to give you a quick review over chapter 7, as you go through in your own personal study and look at it. Nehemiah left some people in charge there to help him in the city and and leading the city. One of those men is mentioned in verses 1 through 3, that his brother Hanani and Hananiah, the ruler of the palace, they were left in charge over Jerusalem, has a wonderful statement about him in verse 2. It says, for he was a faithful man and feared the Lord above many. Then Nehemiah numbers the people in the city, and he's doing this really to bring them back to a faithful relationship with God. The people that he numbers and names off in chapter 7 were people who were of pure descent of the Jewish lineage. They were trying to take uh, care to make sure that they understood their genealogies and their history because they wanted to be able to trace their lineage back to Abraham because God had made some very special promises to the children of Israel in the person of Abraham that he would bless his seed, that he would bless his descendants. And so this was an important process that they go through. But in chapter 8 then, we see the people as they come back together and God is doing a work spiritually in the land of Israel. And as we look at this this morning, I want us to really consider our response to God's Word. In chapter 8, we'll see three different responses that the nation of Israel had to the Word of God. Three responses that I think would be important for all of us to have to God's Word as well. So let's go ahead and start with a word of prayer this morning. This is a very important passage of Scripture And uh, we need God's help as we look at it together this morning. Father, thank you for this time to study your word together. Help us to learn this morning, to be challenged, to walk faithfully in truth and obedience. Lord, help me as I preach. Lord, remove any distraction that I might cause. And I pray that your spirit would speak clearly through your word this morning to our hearts. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Here in chapter 8, let's just begin reading right in verse 1. I want to make some comments as I read through these verses that Freddie just read. It says, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the gate, before the water gate, and they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. Here in verse 1, we see the people gathered together in unity to hear the word of God. Did you see that? It says they gathered themselves together as one man. Here we see a great turning point in the nation of Israel as they've recognized God doing his work to help them rebuild the wall. They did it in just 52 days, and now the people all come together. They come together in unity, but they come together in unity with one desire. They call out to Ezra, who you know if you've read through your Bible, it's the book right prior to Nehemiah. Ezra, who was the scribe, he was also one of the priests, and they asked for him, they said, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. That's our title this morning, Bring the Book. Bring the book. I'm so thankful for the word of God that we have that God has given to us. And the people called out to Ezra to bring the book. Bring the book. The law that God had given to Moses. So they had a great desire to hear the word of God. 
These were not people that were seeking just the opinions of Ezra or the opinions of Nehemiah. They honored God's servants, but they weren't looking to Nehemiah now to tell them what to do. They wanted to hear from God. And this is where we must all learn to listen from. Don't do something just because, well, pastor always says this. No, we need to be a people that honors and listens to the Word of God. The people, people that have a desire that the Word of God would be brought forth, that we would listen to it, that we would hear it, and that we would respond to it. <clears throat> it says in verse 2, And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. In verse 2, we see that as he brings and he begins to read the Word of God, notice the people that were there to listen. It was the men, yes. It was also the women. But it wasn't just the adults, was it? Notice at the end of verse 2, it says, And all that could hear with understanding. This would seem that even the younger children were there. All those that had the ability to understand came together to hear the Word of God. We know that God's Word is not just for the men. It's not just for the ladies. It's for everybody. It's for the men, the women, the boys, and the girls that we would all hear the Word of God. I'm so thankful even this morning, and I have lots and lots of conversations with Brother Josh as he's working in junior church, and Anna as she's helping him in there as they work together. Our children are hearing from God's Word every Sunday morning. What a blessing. On Sunday nights, our children hear from the Word of God in their Sunday school classes. It's not just babysitting time. It's time for them to hear from the Word of God. This past Wednesday night, we had some 20 or so children in Awana. They can hear from the Word of God. They can memorize the Word of God. They can learn the Word of God. But, oh, parents, we need to be careful that we don't just get the idea that God's Word's just for children. I've heard people over the years say, well... I need to get to church so my kids can be in church. Well, yes, your kids need to be in church, but you need to be in church as well. We all need to hear from the Word of God. Don't let us ever get too old where we don't need to hear from God's Word anymore. That is how we learn about who our Heavenly Father is. It never should grow old. There should never come a time where we say, well, there's nothing more for me in this book we need to have the attitude that the children of Israel did that day when they said, bring the book. We want to hear from the Word of God. Verse 3, Ezra, it says, And he read therein, Before the street that was before the water gate, from the morning until midday, before the men and women and those that could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. Well, some of you talked to me last Sunday after, or two Sundays ago when I was apologizing for the length of the sermon. Clearly, if I'm going to follow in the footsteps of Ezra, I had no problems. He went from morning until midday. And if you notice, what was the people's position that entire time? They weren't sitting. They were standing. I'll be nice to you this morning. But notice it says, and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. These people, as they came, they heard God's word being read. And this wasn't a short reading of God's word. This was a long reading of God's word. And there weren't lots of stories and illustrations in addition to the word of God. He was just reading the word of God. Oh, that we would be so in tune with our Heavenly Father that we would love just to hear God's Word being read. Oh, that we would be so close in our relationship that as long as we heard the words of our Heavenly Father from His holy book, that would be enough to satisfy us, to keep our minds engaged, to stay focused as these people were and attentive unto the book of the law. These people had a great attitude. Bring the book, they said. They wanted to hear from God's word. They had a desire. They listened well. 
It says in Ezra the scribe, verse 4, stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose. This wasn't a pulpit like we think. This was more just a platform that he stood up on so that he could be seen by all the people. It says, And beside him stood Mattathiah and Shema and Aniah and Urijah and Hilkiah and Messiah on his right hand, and on his left hand, Padiah and Mishael and Malchiah and Hashem and Hashbadana, Zechariah and Meshulam. Freddie, here's the secret. You just read through them quickly and nobody knows whether you pronounced it right or not. They stay with you. We'll get back to these men. He doesn't just name them just for fun. There's a reason that these men are named here in this passage of Scripture, and we'll see why in just a minute. These were other Levites, other spiritual leaders there with the people. Verse 5, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, here it is, the people stood up. Now, I don't see this as a clear command, thou shalt stand up every time God's word is open, but they were standing up because they wanted to give honor to the word of God. May we always honor the word of God, whether it's by standing to our feet, by listening attentively in our hearts, but may we honor the word of God and be attentive to hear it as it's read. Notice, then it says, and all, I'm sorry, and Ezra, verse 6, blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. We see these people as they were honoring the Word of God, they stood up as Ezra blessed God. The people responded by saying, Amen. They lifted up their hands and they bowed their heads towards the ground. There was a physical response here to the word of God as it was read. Notice verse 7. And Jeshua, and Bani, and Sherebiah, Jamin, Akab, Shabbatiah, Hadijah, Messiah, Kalida, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peliah, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place. So as best I can understand it, as Ezra stood up, as he read from the book of the law of Moses, this was not a time period where everybody would have had their own copy of the Word of God. Perhaps Ezra's was the only copy that anybody had close at hand. And so as he read it, and all the people were gathered around, thousands of people there that day, these other men who stood up along with him, they made sure that all the people understood what was being read. Think about that. Do you see how some of this translates into our modern day and age? As someone stands up, as they open the Word of God, as they read from it, as they declare what it means. That's where these men then were preaching it back to the people, explaining it to the people, helping people understand it. That's why as you study this passage, I think you can see a clear template for preaching in the church. It's not the only place in the Bible where it talks about preaching God's Word, but God's Word's being read. Other people are helping to explain it. Verse 8 really sums it up then when it says, So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and cause them to understand the reading. This morning, as we look through Nehemiah chapter 8, we're going to see three different major responses that the people had to the Word of God. The first one is found in verses 1 through 8. We see the people had an intellectual response to the Word of God. They were united before God. They desired to hear the Word of God. They were attentive to the reading of the Word of God. They were careful to honor the Word of God. And they took time to understand the Word of God. Verse 8 tells us that. They read in the book of the law distinctly. 
God's Word is not something to be just run through so now we can get to the good part. No, it is the good part. May we read God's Word distinctly so that people can hear it and then help people to understand it. It says they gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. I think one of my jobs as a preacher is to help you to understand God's Word as it's read. If you can leave church and say, well, I didn't understand anything, then I want to say, well, did I do my job well? Am I helping people to understand the Word of God? But notice this wasn't just something that was Ezra's responsibility to read it distinctly and give the sense. It was also the responsibility of the people to listen attentively. You see, in any message, in any sermon at a church on Sunday, or as, as God's Word is read, there's a responsibility by the preacher, but there's also the responsibility of the congregation. I have a responsibility to preach it, to speak clearly, to make it understandable, to give the sense you have a responsibility to listen attentively. Folks, I realize as we study through God's Word together, there are parts that maybe seem to speak right to where we're living right now, and then other parts that may seem more abstract or something that we've never experienced before. But all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is all profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Bring the book was the attitude of these people. And they listened attentively as God's word was proclaimed to them. And as they understood it, there was an intellectual response here of the people as they heard God's word and as they understood it. May we also approach God's Word with the same desire to have the same response to God's Word. That when we hear God's Word, it should not be, well, there's some more of that Bible stuff. I don't know about that. But rather to engage our minds, to listen, so that we might be able to respond intellectually to say, okay, I understand. This makes sense. The Bible tells us we are to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. What a privilege it is to have God's word in our hands. I just finished reading a book a couple weeks ago about men and women who fought and died. They didn't, most of them didn't fight by going out with swords. They fought in that they worked hard to translate God's word. They some, many of them gave their lives to make a translation of this book. Can you imagine being killed because you just wanted to put the Bible into the modern vernacular of the day? People died so that you and I could hold this book in our hands this morning. What a privilege. Sometimes we get so far removed from those things, we forget that that even happened. But you know, there are places even in this world today where there are people that don't have God's Word in their own language. I'm pretty sure Billy could probably take us to some places in India where there's some tribes of people that don't have a Bible in their own language. What a blessing it is that we can hear from God's Word this morning. Let us never get in such a hurry that we run past or we're not attentive to, to hear from the book of the law that we, no that we no longer want to hear from God's Word. May our attitude be, bring the book. It wasn't just an intellectual response, though, to God's Word because we see as the people heard God's Word, they responded with an emotional response to the truth. As they understood it, they had an emotional response to it. You saw a little bit as they lifted their hands, as they cried, Amen, as they bowed their heads in worship before the Lord. But we see it continue on in verses 9 through 12. Notice it says in Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, and Ezra, the priest, the scribe, and the Levites taught the people, said, that taught the people, said unto all the people, this day 
is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. As these people heard the truth of God's word, it welled up an emotional response from within them. They wept. Why do you think they wept when the word of God was read? Now, at this point in time, they didn't have the full completed Bible like we have. The book of the law was just the first five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. As they heard God's law being read to them, it caused an emotional response. They began, the Bible says, to weep. But the people or the leaders said to them, don't weep. Mourn not. This day is holy unto the Lord. We'll see as we continue to study this chapter, the reason they were weeping The reason this emotional response was caused within them is because they were sorrowful over their sin. The way we know that is because later on in the chapter, we'll see they made some changes. They began to live in obedience. You see, as God's word was read to them that day, they realized we have not been doing what God wants us to do. It's no wonder we haven't experienced the blessings of God. It's because we haven't been living in obedience to God. And so as they had that intellectual response to God's word, as they heard it, they listened attentively, as they understood it, they were moved to an emotional response of weeping as they were sorrowful over their sin. I would challenge you this morning, when's the last time that God's word moved you like that as you read it you said woe is me I'm undone I've not lived like God wants me to live you see I think the emotional response stems from the intellectual response you can't truly respond in right emotion to God's word until you truly understand with a right mind to God's word to hear it and to understand what it says. That's why it's so important that we study through the word of God. It's why I generally preach in the way that I do as I'm working through passages of scripture. We want to understand God's intent when he wrote these words for us. Because if we don't understand it right, our emotional response may be completely wrong. We may be responding to something that isn't even true. We need to understand the truth of God's Word. So then they had a proper emotional response. But they encouraged them. They said, don't weep. Don't mourn. This day is for the Lord. Notice verse 10. Then He said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet. And send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy, this day is set apart unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry. This is a little phrase we quote a lot. But I wonder if many of us knew that it's stuck right here in the middle of Nehemiah. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. There's a little song we used to sing in junior church. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Oh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Is that the first time most of you heard it? Okay. Well, maybe it's the first time you heard that version of it. I don't know. But I'm thankful that the joy of the Lord is my strength. But think about it in the context of the passage. Why was the joy of the Lord their strength? They were sorrowful for their sin. They could have the joy of the Lord because God gives forgiveness for sin. As they were sorrowful over their sin, they could rejoice because God forgives. That's what they were reminding the people that day. Rejoice! The joy of the Lord is your strength. My joy is not found in my ability. 
If I try to find joy in my own ability to do something, I'm going to be disappointed a lot. I didn't come to church excited this morning because, wow, you guys are just going to hear from the greatest preacher in the world. No, that's not why I got excited. You know, I was excited this morning. I was so excited when I got out of bed this morning. I got up, spent some time in prayer. I was excited because I knew I could share with you God's word this morning. And God's word has the answers. God's word shows us where we're wrong. God shows us how to be right. God's word shows us how to live a righteous life before him. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Stop finding or trying to find your strength in something other than God's word and the joy of the Lord. You're never going to find it. People try to find their joy in their job. Folks, yeah, there's some joy in it, but eventually it'll let you down. People even try to find the joy in their children, and there's lots of joy in your children. But that's not the source of true, ultimate, everlasting joy. People say, well, I'm just going to find my joy in this person. If I could just find somebody to marry me, then I'd be happy. No, you wouldn't. You might be happy at periods in time, but it's not a lasting joy. The only true source of joy is in the Lord. Now, can two people in a marriage find joy when they're both seeking the Lord? Absolutely. Can children and their parents find joy as children are living in obedience and honoring their parents and parents aren't provoking their children? Absolutely. But realize that's all under the Lord. Because we're living as God wants us to live. We find joy in the Lord. He is our strength. We find joy in the Lord when we understand He forgives sin. We find joy in the Lord when we see, here's how God wants me to live, and so I can live how He wants me to live. I can have a wonderful, emotional, joyful response to the Word of God because now I know the truth. And Jesus said it this way, Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free you don't have joy this morning, it's because you're not walking in truth. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Say, I got all these other things. I understand. These people had some things, didn't they? They had some problems. The enemies hadn't stopped coming for them. That didn't stop and now they heard the word of God. No, the enemies are still coming after Nehemiah. The enemies are still coming after the children of Israel. The enemies are still mocking them. The enemies are still trying to figure out how to attack them. But the people came together. They said, we built the wall. We've done what we can do. We need to hear from God. Bring the book. What a wonderful response to God's word. This intellectual response. We want to hear it. We want to listen to it. We want to understand it. Folks, every time God's word is open, we should have the desire to understand what is God trying to tell me today through his word. And I would encourage you, if Sunday morning in church is the only time that you're around God's word being opened, it's not enough. You need to open it up tomorrow morning at your house. Parents, I would encourage you tomorrow night before you go to bed with your children, open it up, read it. You say, well, I can't say all those things you say. These people responded just to the reading of God's word. Read a few verses and do your very best to explain what it says. And if you don't know, call me. I'd love to talk to you about what it says. And there's a bunch of other people in the church that would as well. In fact, if we were doing this Nehemiah Ezra style this morning, I would be more than happy to call up a bunch of other people in our church who could stand up here with me I could read the Word of God, and then they could go down and sit with you and explain it to you. Kind of sounds like one-on-one -on -one discipleship, doesn't it? Kind of sounds like small group Bible study. Kind of sounds like a Sunday school class, doesn't it? That's what we do on Sunday nights. That's what we do on Wednesday nights. That's what people are doing throughout the week. I had a great time. I'm going to pick on him because he's here. With Eric, Thursday night, we've been studying through God's Word together. We're going through the Continue book right now. We just did chapter 3 on Tuesday night talking about who is Jesus. Eric grew up around church. He's heard some of this before, but even as we looked at some passages of Scripture together, he said, I had never truly understood 
all that the Bible had to say about that Jesus is really God. He didn't doubt that Jesus was God. It was just he'd never seen all that from God's Word. So many people who have grown up around church know things just because they've heard it from time to time. But if you handed them a Bible and say, hey, could you show that to me? They wouldn't have the first clue on where to go and look. These people, they rejoiced because God forgave their sin. And I would tell you this then, if you keep reading down, look at verse 11 and 12. So the Levites stilled all the people saying, Hold your peace for the day is holy, neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and make great mirth. They were happy. They were joyful. Sounds like they were even laughing. Why could they be? Why are they so happy? Maybe because they understood that the joy of the Lord was their strength. You know, I would love it if people would say that about our church. People say a lot of good things about our church, and I'm thankful for that. Church was so friendly. People encouraged me. Somebody reached out to me. That's good. You know, what a great thing to be able to say about a group of people. They just were happy all the time. <laughs> What's wrong with them? Something must be wrong over there. They must not realize all the bad stuff that's going on. These people had lots of bad things going on. Why were they happy? Because the joy of the Lord was their strength. It says, and they were able to send portions. That means they were sending gifts to each other, food and things to one another. Why? Notice at the end of verse 12, if you have your Bible, why don't you read it with me out loud? Let's all read those last words. Because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. You see the response here to the word of God? When they understood what the word of God said, it made them happy. There's an emotional response to the word of God. When you understand what it says, it might start with sorrow. That's where it started for them, right? When they first understood, oh, they were upset. Why? Because they realized they were doing wrong. But when then they understood from the Levites that the joy of the Lord was your strength, that they didn't have to live in sorrow, that their sin was forgiven, they now were filled with great joy, with great mirth, because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. Oh, I think we've lost a lot in some ways in our culture today where we get so busy and so distracted and moving so fast we don't have time to sit still and to study and to learn and to understand what the words of this book say. Bring the book! They wanted to hear from God's Word. They understood it. They responded intellectually. That caused an emotional response. But it doesn't stop there. Verses 13 through 18, we see then them move to action. There was an obedient response to the Word of God. You know, it's encouraging even in the end of verse 12 as it says, then they went out and they sent portions to others. You know what that means? When God had worked on them and they got their hearts right and they understood the joy of the Lord was their strength, they were able to go out and minister to other people. Kind of sounds like taking meals to somebody who's sick. Sounds like going and helping somebody who's less fortunate than you. It sounds like going out, calling somebody on the phone and say, How are you doing? I'm praying for you today. I love you. I care for you. How are you able to do that when the Lord is working in you, when you're encouraged? Listen, I know as well as you do, when I'm discouraged, I'm not calling anybody on the phone and saying, Hey, I just want to let you know how much I've been praying for you. No, I'm discouraged. So what do I need to do? I need to be back in the Word of God, hearing from God's truth, understanding it, allowing God to change me. Notice, all of this reading of God's Word, it didn't fix all their problems outside, but God was doing a work on the inside. They had already done all the work on the outside that they could do. They built this wall. They tried to have protection. And after it was all done, what happened? The people still kept fighting. Folks, your problem isn't just what's outside. The problem is what's going on on the inside. 
I can't fix everything that's going on around me, but I can make sure that my heart is right before God. They responded intellectually, responded emotionally, and then finally we'll see this morning this obedient response to the Word of God. Verse 13, on the second day, so that was the first day, now we're on the second day, we're gathered together, the chief of the fathers of all the people, the priests, Levites, unto Ezra the scribe, even to understand the words of the law. Wait a minute. They came back. They had heard it the first day. Now it says they came back the second day to be able to understand it. One day wasn't enough. They said, give me more. Give us more. We want to understand more. Verse 14, here's where we really start to see what it was that they were so moved by. And they found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded by Moses, that the children of Israel should dwell in booths in the feast of the seventh month. Let me give you a little context. If you followed along, I had to get a calendar out and see how this all worked. But in the book of Nehemiah, there's a number of different months mentioned. So in the beginning of Nehemiah, when Nehemiah hears about the problem back in Jerusalem, it says that he prayed, right? And then four months later, he goes before the king and the king sends him back. You keep following the chronology of the book along. It says here that it's in the seventh month. They read about this thing that God had commanded through Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths in the feast of the seventh month. Well, when you go back and do the math, guess what? It was almost the seventh month when they read this. In fact, if my study's correct, and I could be slightly off on this, but I think it's right, there was just two weeks before the seventh month was going to start. And if that's true, as they heard this, they realized, wait a minute, God commanded the children of Israel to dwell in booths. In other words, they were to make these little like tabernacles, almost little tents kind of things that they were going to go live in. Why do you think God commanded them to go spend a portion of the year a feast time, going out living in a tent. Why did they have to go on a camping trip every September? Well, it wasn't September for them. The seven months slightly different, but you get what I'm saying. Do you remember back what happened to the children of Israel when they left Egypt? They lived in tents for years and years as they traveled through the wilderness. If you're here on Wednesday nights, we're studying through as the children of Israel crossed over the Red Sea. As they went on into the wilderness, they lived for over 40 years in tents. So God commanded the children of Israel through Moses that they spend this time every year living in, going back out, pitching a tent. They would have a time of celebration. Why? It was to remember God's provision for them as they traveled through the wilderness on the way to promised land. Because I don't know about you, but in my life, I often will say things like this. Boy, God's been good. But when do we say that? After God provides something, right? After we already have it in our hand. Boy, God's been good. God's been good to the Crips. They've got a place to meet for their church. But was God good to them before He gave them that place? Yeah. Is God good to us when we get the raise or we get healed from our sickness? Sure He is. But is He good even when He hasn't given us that raise or when we're still sick? Yeah, He is. Was God good to the children of Israel when He gave them the promised land? Yes, He was. But was He good to them when they were living in tents out in the wilderness? Yeah, He was. I think this Feast of Tabernacles, as it was called was the time of year where God would send them back into the wilderness just for a little bit of time. It wasn't really the full example of it. It was just, hey, we're going to go pitch some tents. We're going to live in these booths for a short period of time. But we're going to celebrate. We're going to remember what God did. Because sometimes we get so comfortable living in the goodness of God's provision, having everything God gave us, that we forgot that God was good back before He gave us what we're enjoying so much. We start enjoying the gift more than the giver of the gift. 
We start enjoying all our goodness and all our wealth and all of our comfort more than enjoying the one who gave us that comfort and gave us that goodness. And so as these people, as they heard God's word read, they realized, wait a minute, we're supposed to be going out and pitching tents right now. We're supposed to be building these booths and having a time where we celebrate one with another. So here's what they decided to do, verse 15. And that they should publish and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, Go forth unto the mount, fetch olive branches, pine branches, myrtle branches, palm branches, branches of thick trees to make booths, as it is written. Almost like a teepee, right? They're just building these little things out of branches that they're going to stay in. Verse 16, so the people went forth, brought them, made themselves booze, everyone upon the roof of his house and in their courts, in the courts of the house of God, in the street of the water gate and in the street of the gate of Ephraim. And all the congregation of them that were come again out of the captivity made booths and sat under the booths. This is what grabbed me when I was studying this next phrase. For since the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, unto that day had not the children of Israel done so. Do you know how long ago it was from Nehemiah's time back to Joshua's time? There's a little bit of discrepancy among the commentators, but it was at least 700, maybe as long as a thousand years. I can't even comprehend what a thousand years is like. I live in the United States of America and we're not even 250 years old. These people read in God's word, the word of God that had been given to them. And they realized we have been failing to do what God told us to do for maybe as long as a thousand years. I think sometimes when we look at God's Word, it's like, well, you know, they left Egypt, they got to the Promised Land, you know, a few years later they were in captivity and now they're back, you know, that's probably five or six years later. No, a thousand years. Think of all that had transpired, all the people that had lived and died during that period of time. The generation after generation after generation. What was their response? And there was very great gladness. Can you imagine? They've, for generations, they didn't know anybody. They hadn't heard from any. They had no knowledge other than what was passed down in the ancient history of anybody that had ever done this. It had been completely lost to history, so to speak. It was just recorded in the Word of God. And when they got God's Word out and began to read it again, they realized, we haven't done this in a thousand years. Again, not just the distance of time, but I think also the situation's very interesting as well. They hadn't done it since the time of Joshua. Now, I went back and I was studying a little bit on Joshua's lifespan and how that worked and what age he was when they went into the Promised Land and how long he lived in the Promised Land. He lived maybe 40 years or, or 60 years or so in the promised land. So they followed this feast or this celebration for some, say, 50, 60 years. Then Joshua died. Why do we need to do that? We're already here in the promised land. Why would we go to all this effort to go grab these sticks and build these booths and live in these? I'd much rather be in my comfortable house. Why do I have to go sleep in that? I mean, God has provided God wants us always to remember where we came from. Because when we forget that God commendeth His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we feel like, yeah, we were something. We had our act together. No, we didn't. God found us when we had nothing. God, Jesus died for us when we were His enemies. And God wants us to remember where we've come from, not so that we can stay there, but it'll keep us reminded how much we have to thank God for. They hadn't done this since the time 
of Joshua. But see, I think as they, perhaps as they got into the promised land, they got comfortable. Things were good. Yes, they fought some battles, but they forgot where God had brought them from. There was great gladness. Verse 18, also day by day, from the first day unto the last day. He read in the book of the law of God, and they kept the feast seven days. And on the eighth day was a solemn assembly according unto the manner. Eight days they slept in their booths. Eight days they listened to God's word being read. Eight days they had it explained to them by the Levites and other spiritual leaders there to make sure everybody understood it. Bring the book. We want to hear from God. What's our response? Well, they responded in obedience. See, they sought to understand God's word. They came back again. Those leaders, you saw that back in verse 13. Then they purposed to obey God's word. They sent out word to all the other cities. Listen, we should have been doing this. We've forgotten. We didn't do it. We didn't read God's word. We just sort of lived based on our understanding of God's word. And isn't that how we live sometimes? I've been a Christian a long time. And, you know, I kind of know what I'm supposed to do and what I'm not supposed to do. I don't really need to get, read God's word every day. I've read that before. I've heard that before. Oh, we need to have the same attitude that the children of Israel had. Bring the book. Read the word of God. Listen, understand. This isn't just for the new believer. This isn't just for the person who's trying to understand God. This is for the person who's walked with God their whole life. Bring the book. We need to hear it and understand it. As God brings understanding to our heart, God, if there's something, as David said in Psalm 139, search me, oh God, and try my heart. Know me, try my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. As we truly understand God's word, I think it will evoke an emotional response from us of sorrow. Oh God, help me to live as you want me to live. God, forgive me for these things that I've done that are contrary to what you've wanted me to do. God, I've forgotten this. I've neglected this. I haven't done this. Lord, I never saw this before. I want to live in obedience to you. And then purpose to live an obedient response to the word of God. God, if you show it to me, I'll do it. God, if it says it in your word, I'll obey it. And I would tell you, we can expect to find great joy in obedience. It says there at the end of verse 17, and there was very great gladness. I would tell you, we, we miss out on the blessings of God and the joy of the Lord when we fail to know and to obey the word of God. In James 1, it says it this way, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Because if you do that, you're just deceiving yourself. Three responses to God's word. As I thought about my own life with this, I, I thought, well, I do a lot of Bible study. I'm, I'm seeking to have that intellectual response, to really know and to understand God's word. Maybe you're here this morning and say, I need to be doing that. I need to be studying and knowing and learning God's Word. I haven't applied myself to that. If God's Word is being read, I tune it out. I'm not attentive to God's Word. And I would challenge you this morning to be right before God. Would you ask Him forgiveness? And would you be attentive to hear God's Word? Maybe you've been listening, you've been attentive but you've kind of just hardened your heart to what it says. You've heard it so many times, it's just become old hat. May we have the emotional response that these people had. Sorrow over sin. 
and rejoicing over God's forgiveness, knowing that the joy of the Lord is your strength. God didn't promise to take you out of all your bad situations and out of your problems, but He's there with you in those times. God can change you from the inside out. And then we see that final obedient response to God's word as they purpose to obey it. This passage of scripture has me really excited right now. I'm excited to think about in my own life what it would be like if I was responding to God's word properly every day. That I had this desire to listen attentively, to learn it, to understand it, and then to respond to it, to ask forgiveness, to allow God to make me sorrowful where I need to be sorrowful, and to give me joy when I need to be joyful, and then to go in obedience and say, God, I'm going to do whatever it is you want me to do. You've already written it down for me in your word. May we not forget. May it never be said of us, oh, they, they used to do those things, but they haven't done it since the time of Joshua. Or back in the early days, they used to live this way, but now it's kind of gone by the wayside as they've forgotten it. May we re-examine and reapply ourselves to the obedience of God's Word. Bring the book! What's your attitude to God's Word today? I feel like this message, the Lord's timing is always perfect. This message is right in line with where I'm at, my spiritual walk with the Lord, I need to be reminded of this all the time. Amen. Maybe some of you feel the same way this morning. I would tell you, I also think it's right in line with our church calendar. I didn't plan it this way, but next week we're going to hear from God's Word multiple times. Thankful that God used this in my heart to challenge me and help me be better prepared to hear from God's Word as it's presented next week. I need to hear from it just as much as you do. We all need it. I would ask you this week, would you commit to spending time every day in God's Word? I know there, everybody has different amounts of time, but set aside some time in your schedule. Delete something else off your schedule if it has to be that way but make time to be in God's Word. To read it and to understand it. It starts there. Many times we just kind of leave it on the shelf all week. Well, I don't have time to get to that. I'll get to that later. Make the priority. Come together and say, Let, let's hear what God has to say from us. Read it with the desire to understand and what a wonderful example in that day and even in this day. We have a church full of people that want to help you understand it if you don't understand what you're reading. Because if you don't understand it, it's not, it's not doing any good. I can't sleep with this under my pillow and somehow become more spiritual, you know, just because I'm around the book. No, I've got to read it and understand it. And then respond to it. If God speaks to your heart. God shows you something this week. Examine your heart before God, before His Word. Say, God... Show me what you want to show me. I, I want to be right with you. I want to be ready to hear from your word next Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. God, I need to hear from you. God, I got some things in my life right now that I'm not joyful about, that I'm not glad about. I need to be reminded from your word that the joy of the Lord is your strength. God, I want to have the gladness. I mean, these people over and over again, it keeps saying they responded with gladness. They responded with joy. They had great mirth. That sounds like a good group of people to be around. I'd like to be around some people like that, wouldn't you? You know, we can have a church like that too. If we're a church that hears and understands God's word, that puts a priority on the truth, that responds properly to God's word. Not trying to shush somebody or put them down because they get excited, right? There was excitement. These people even lifted their hands and said amen, okay? But then they obeyed it. They did what it said. May we do that too. Father, I feel very inadequate to preach and to challenge on this passage of Scripture this morning because I know that I still have much growth to do this in, 
in this area myself. I want to be a man who loves you and walks with you and spends great time in your word and allows your word to speak through me. And I want to be somebody who responds to your word in obedience. I pray that you'd help our church to grow in this area as well. Lord, I'm so thankful for many who love your word, spend time in it, but Lord, as I've read this this morning and studied this over the last several weeks, I just think none of us has arrived in this area. We all need to grow. Lord, as we take some time now, help us to open up our hearts to you. Confess sin to get right with you. The purpose to live in obedience to your word. Not, not just... out of some sense of duty, but also understanding there's a great reward of joy and gladness for those who walk in obedience. We love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The piano's going to play. I, I want you to have some time to respond. I've prayed, but I want you to pray. I can pray with you up here. You can come up here by yourself and pray. You can pray right there in your seat. Do whatever you need to do. Let's take some time. Let's respond to God's word.